everybody. I am Catalina and this is the Changemakers podcast, a show exploring the sustainable development goals and highlighting thinkers and initiatives that are working towards achieving the UN's 2030 agenda. Today, my guest is Margian Tasurahman, the co-initiator of the youth movement of the FCTC Framework Convention on Tobacco Control and the project coordinator for Young Health Program in Indonesia. In this episode, we dive into sustainable development goal three, good health and well-being. We explore how the outbreak of the COVID-19, the coronavirus, has been revealing the loopholes we have in our global health systems and the need for a systemic change to focus on prevention instead of reaction to such crises. We also talk about the terrible effects of the NCDs, the non-communicable diseases caused by alcohol and tobacco, and how governments as well as individuals should start taking action to tackle them from a systemic perspective. Okay, so welcome, Ian, to the Changemakers podcast. I'm really excited to have you on the show and to kickstart a discussion on the sustainable development goal number three, which is good health and well-being. So welcome. Thank you, Catalina, for having me. It's an honor to be in this podcast. Thank you. Okay, so to kickstart this discussion, I would like to pick your brain on the biggest challenges currently around the world, but also in your region when it comes to tackling SDG3. So there has been major progress in the world in improving the health of millions of people. However, we still have a really long way to go in achieving universal health coverage and addressing diseases, including mental health diseases, and especially now with coronavirus outbreak, you know, the discussion on this topic is even more acute. So what do you think are the biggest challenges when tackling the SDG3 good health and well-being? Right. So first of all, maybe we can begin with the context of how many people are we talking about right now? Of 7.5 billion people worldwide now, you know, and the, every single of those people, of course, they need access to care. And the system of the governments in countries all around the world, they have different kinds of health systems that are running right now. And they are all now on a verge of crisis with the coronavirus and they are all tested. So which system is actually able to deliver all kinds of health care for their citizens? And this is by the means that we're talking about access to care. We're not only talking about those who are privileged, but also those who are most impoverished and most disadvantaged, like people on the poverty line, people living with a starvation wage, indigenous people in rural areas that are not yet to be reached. You know, these kinds of challenges about the equality and equity in health is very much right now is being tested all around the globe. And if we're talking about the SDGs or Sustainable Development Goals, goal number three, actually, we have to move back a bit and see before SDGs, we have MDGs, Millennium Development Goals. And the unfinished agendas from MDGs before we go to SDGs is actually infections like malnutrition and reproductive health problems. And also now we have emerging challenges. Now we are in the SDGs era, which is NCDs or non-communicable diseases, often dubbed as the silent killer because it's like millions of people died from it every year. And then the injuries, like road traffic injuries and environmental threats. And I think we can classify the coronavirus is not only about communicable diseases, but it's also a form of environmental threat 
that actually is not being caused by the environment itself, but it's also by us. So, and I will come up to this point later, how we actually have to address global health, especially the goal number three, in a more systemic way, because we cannot only see health about health per se, but it's also about other aspects as well in our environment and everything surrounding us. So goal number three, as for me, actually, specifically, I usually focus on the work of trying to prevent NCDs all over the globe, non-communicable diseases. So just for your information, non-communicable diseases or NCDs is actually caused by several risk factors of unhealthy behaviors that we do upon ourselves in our communities. So for instance, the alcohol consumption, the lack of nutritional you know, foods or drinks, and then also about the lack of physical activities, and of course, tobacco consumption, which is my main work for the past several years with young people and youth health advocates about tobacco control. These risk factors are actually the ones who's driving the number of our victims in NCDs worldwide. And we often overlook it because, you know, it's not communicable, right? It's not like coronavirus, but actually millions and millions of people died every year just because of a non-communicable disease. It's more than 70% of deaths in, in the world. In my country, it's also the same statistics. More than 70% of the death is actually caused by NCD. So, so I think aside from the coronavirus, we cannot also put aside that NCDs or non-communicable diseases is a very pressing issue right now. And eventually, of course, we are also talking about mental health as well, right? Because it, you know, mental illness is also a form of non-communicable diseases or NCDs, depression, DSD, etc. These are the topics that also we need to talk about. And sometimes it also, we see it as an individual way, as a personal behavior. But actually, once again, my point is we need to see it in a systemic view. It's not only about individual or communities. It has a much bigger picture than that. Maybe that's what I can say for now. Mm-hmm. For, yeah. for I mean, goal number three, in my perspective. Yeah. So it also seems to me that, you know, this NCDs and non-communicable diseases caused by tobacco consumption or alcohol consumption, just to name a few, they also don't really receive the same emergency Mm, how to say, response from governments, nations, international organizations, also individuals, because they take, let's say, a longer term before they actually manifest, or it's not like you got infected and you're at risk, but it's more like kind of building up during years. So yeah, well, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Like since this NCDs actually cause more deaths than in this case, let's say coronavirus, and but they don't really get the same emergency response from our government. So why do you think, what do you think is the cause of that? Yeah, I think if we're talking about the SDGs, I think the main message is always about we are prioritizing people and planet over profit. So I think that's the message here. And that is the only, I think, the only ultimate, you know, setback and challenge for us to actually promote this kind of issues. One of them is NCDs, because we need to convince the government to put their people's well-being 
and their planets, of course, the Earth's environmental sustainability before profits. Because it's always the argument, especially in my country, if you're talking about tobacco control and the tobacco industries, it's always been saying like, you know, they have so many profits to give to us, to the government. You know, they are source of income. They employ many people. But then again, at what cost? At what cost? In Indonesia itself, in my country, we have 7.8 million child smokers. It's 9.1% of all children in Indonesia. That is just staggering. It's like the entire population of Hong Kong is children between the age of 10 until 18 smoking. Imagine that is Indonesia right now in visualization. More than 70% of our men smoke as well. The number of smokers is increasing, whereas in many other countries, it's, it's quite decreasing. But then again, you know, it's a reflection of, you know, why is this happening? And I think the answer is like that, because some government just putting profit beyond their people in the planet, their health and well-being, including themselves who are in power. So I think we need to see the bigger picture here. And we need not to you know, take our health for granted and really formalize, form a very strategic policy making that is cross-sectorial, not only about the Ministry of Health in each country, but also they have to discuss it within their own government to the Ministry, for instance, the Ministry of Trade or, you know, the Ministry of Agriculture. Are we going to keep planting tobacco or are we going to actually invest in more kinds of plantation that's actually healthy, that actually can bring nutrition to our people. And a minister of trade, are we going to get more investment from the tobacco industries? Or do we realize that it's a, a sunset industry that actually eventually we need to have a transition towards a better, healthy society? Those are the kinds of, you know, the kind of perspective that I think we need to bring in our global health. Because mm -hmm. global health is about health systems. It's not about only about the symptoms of the disease. It's not only about the, the disease that actually, you know, people need to be taken care of right now, right? With the coronavirus, you can also see why the outbreak still happening. And actually, scientists has been quite warning about it, right? And in the December and in January, and people still think, okay, this is not a, a very bad situation until it became a very bad situation and it hits them. So always, I think we need aside from putting, you know, the perspective of putting people and planet over profit, is also about preventive and promotive. That is very, very important. So we need to prevent from diseases from happening. The non-communicable one, the communicable one, like the coronavirus, we need to prevent it before it happens, and we need to be ready when it comes, you know, because when it comes, just like now, it's too late for us to make any investment. It's too late for us to make any, you know, safety nets for our economy or for our society in general. So I think we really need to invest once all of this is over, especially with the coronavirus. We need to rethink about our health system, our global health, how it's governed, you know, because we need to invest more in preventive and promotive and not only see things, you know, with a grain of salt, but also we have to be ready whenever it comes, you know, whenever it comes. We have to be in that state of alert, not waiting for any outbreak or, or major deaths happen because those deaths become unnecessary 
if we can prevent it and promote how we can overcome it. Absolutely. And what you're saying now ties a little bit to what you said before initially about the systemic change that we need happening globally. So can you elaborate a little bit on that? What kind of systemic change are we talking about here and who should involve in creating this systemic change? Right. So if we're talking about systemic change, we're also talking about the multiple stakeholders within the system of governance, either it's global governance or either it's our domestic governance, right? It's our, our countries. So if we're talking about the, the existing actors, they are like the nonprofit actors, the NGOs, and then there's also the corporations, there's also the international governmental organization or IGOs like the UN or, you know, or academics, you know, there are many kinds of actors. But I think what we need right now is not only about thinking like we need to involve every sector, but we need to also draw a very clear line about what can we do and what can we not do with these actors. Because there is a line that I think we need to, to draw regarding the ethical side of it, regarding the long-term effects of it. For instance, if the big tobacco industry is trying to say we, are, we obey the SDGs and we're trying to to provide you more alternative to smoke, you know, in a very environmental, more friendly way, etc. Can we really, you know, work with that? You know, because they have repeatedly, you know, lie. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. They repeatedly lie about their attempts to actually try to, you know, stop selling what they are selling, which is addictions and risk factors for NCDs or non-communicable diseases all over history. So we have to rethink again who that we can work with and who that we cannot work with because not everyone can be trusted, I think, based on the motive. And if they somehow can be trusted, and etc., we need to be firm about that. The NGOs have to play a role in to supervise this, to, to make sure that the government is working for the people, not the few or the corporations only. The corp- and then the corporations also have to contribute by giving innovations that are actually, the, and then they realize they can also do those innovations because the government, through the taxpayer money of the people, is giving them, you know, the, what they need, which is, you know, the, the public you know, for instance, public subsidy for the corporation, all the regulations, they are in favor with them, etc. So they need to also take care about it. How they see this issue is not only for profit per se, we know they are for profit, but also for the sustainability part of it. And also, you know, the academics, there's, they have to still running and also scientific innovations, la la la, funded by the several actors at the same time. So I think we need to see the bigger picture and what I mean also about systemic change is also about if we see that I mentioned before, now the coronavirus is also is related to environmental threats in, in our, our society is because if we see the coronavirus outbreak recently, what happened is when we keep exploiting our earth, our environment for the sake of profit, and we put our people and our planet in the back of our priorities. And what happens is we keep looting, we keep exploiting the air, the water, and the forest that these wildlife populations are living. What happens is we came into contact with them, right? And then what happens is the, the virus that mutated just like now with the coronavirus, right? It's presumably it came from a bat. And a bat shouldn't have 
done this possibly if they still have their own habitat to live, right? And they don't have their habitat to live because, you know, we keep looting and exploiting the land all over again. So it's a connection that we can draw. Also a reflection, what is happening right now with the outbreak of coronavirus is how we have treated our nature all of these times. Have we put profit so much that we, we just legalize everything? And then apparently the Watna populations, they don't have not let alone a decent habitat. They don't even have a habitat in most cases. Many of them are also dying and extinct. And then what happens now is, you know, it's like Mother Nature is trying to give us a warning. Hey, take it easy, humans, right? <laughs> and now we have to stay in our homes right now. And even, you know, there are many people and scientists also have been warning about this possible outbreaks like a few years in the past and we don't listen to the scientists so i think you know also in the systemic change we also need to listen to the people that actually are the capable ones to actually solve and prevent this kind of crisis and we need to listen to them and in mostly they are the scientists right they are the public health experts we need to listen to them and not only to the politicians who have their own motive not only to corporation who wants to make profit and then who will do this? Well, it's us, the everyday people. I think the, the working class, middle, lower class people, we might think we are not affected by this. In this systemic change, we don't bring change because we are not CEOs, we are not presidents. But actually, we can bring change when we can make this kind of issues to be a public concern, when we can push the governments, the corporations, and everyone else involved in the higher power level to be actually listening to us when we are saying it all at the same time, I think we can make a change because they have no option but to listen to us. I mean, look at the outbreak of coronavirus right now. I think some people might say it's too radical, it's too impossible or debatable if we provide, for instance, sick paid leave for the workers, right? But now everybody agrees, right, the workers who are sick actually have to stay home <laughs> or else they can be a carrier of a virus, right? It's not a radical idea. It's actually a, you know, a very normal, even right thing to do. In this crisis, we can see those ideas become possible, you know. We cannot have free education for all. Actually, we can now. We can access many kinds of courses and education, even at home. Right. You know, it's not an impossible thing to do now. And also for about healthcare, you know, people can should have an option for healthcare, whether it's a private one, whether it's a public one. But now we see, wow, actually, you know, everybody needs healthcare. And if only we have a single payer system that everybody can get tested for COVID-19 or coronavirus. Well, some countries have that and some countries don't. And the countries that don't, they have less good or right responses or rapid responses to this crisis. So I think it's a time for us to rethink this kind of radical ideas in our global health or, or our society in general and actually see that this is actually the right thing to do to invest in the public needs of the people, from the healthcare, you know, from, from everything else that is actually related to it. And if we're talking about the care, I think I'm going to mention the five A's of healthcare, especially in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak. What we need in our healthcare system is actually first the availability, second is the accessibility, third is the affordability, and fourth is the acceptability, and fifth 
is the accommodation part of it. So all of these five A's, we need to see that it should form a chain that is no stronger than its weakest link. And it's been proven. The coronavirus outbreak, if someone is an insert, you know, insert of a healthcare, he or she can bring a demise to, to other people who are healthy around, around him or her, right? So we are only as strong as our weakest link. And this five A's is actually the one who's been mentioned by Penchansky and Thomas in, I think, in the 80s. So, yeah, that's what I read. <laughs> but I think it's still relevant right now. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much about the systemic changes. And also, if you want people to stop smoking, you don't only tell them to stop smoking. You ask the government to actually enforce tobacco control measures, make the cigarettes more expensive, inaccessible, you know, the, the, the scary pictures, etc. Ban the tobacco advertisement promotion and sponsorship. If you want people, you know, to not to, to drunk and drive, maybe you can also, like, put more more, you know, warning to the stores not to sell alcohol to people who are seemingly, you know, already drunk or, you know, about to drive, etc. You know, all those kinds of regulations, I think, is very important. So it's a part of a systemic change, not only about behavior, not only about the individual, but what can the individual and community do to push the government and the corporations to make policies to do things that actually in favor of public health needs. So I think that's my point with the systemic change. <laughs> nice. So I really like that you kind of elaborated on all of these aspects that, you know, there is a role by the government to be played. There is a role by the community to be played. There is a role by every individual to be played. So it's kind of a little bit like a chicken and egg problem, you know, that do you wait for political action to happen or do you take responsibility and you take initiative and you do something yourself? So I think it's definitely, it needs to be a balance between the two and definitely both should involve in creating systemic change. Okay, so Jan, maybe you can share a little bit about your work at the youth movement for FCTC and how is this movement contributing to SDG3, good health and well-being? Right, so I'm a part of youth movement for FCTC. We have been around since 2015 and our focus is actually, as our name goes, is to support Indonesia to sign the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control. Actually, we were one of the initiators, but we haven't signed it as uh, just right you know, until now because the challenge is the big tobacco industries in Indonesia is very powerful. And this is exactly why we as young people, we reject to be their customers or their targets, but we want to fight back. So we support tobacco control policies, aside from FCTC, of course, like we support the banning of tobacco advertisement, promotion, and sponsorships. We also support policies like smoke-free areas or raising the cigarette prices or, you know, the excise tax or make it inaccessible for young people to buy. And also the, you know, how we must watch over the selling of cigarettes so then children cannot buy it. You know, all of those regulations, tobacco control regulations, is what we are supporting. And we have been doing a lot of campaign, a lot of research and advocacy as well with the local mayors, with the ministers. And even recently, I also spoke at One Young World in 2018, where I met the awesome Terry Crews, the, the Hollywood actor, the Me Too activist. Also, he was the one who was my counselor at that one young world and I spoke on stage sharing about the work that we have done and it was just a very life-changing experience I think and I need uh, more young people in Indonesia to 
to speak up about this because tobacco control in Indonesia is a very serious issue and we often overlook it. But yeah, with my movement, with the help of Lantera Anak Foundation, which is our patron since 2015, I believe we can you know, embrace more young people to support a tobacco control, which is one of the risk factors for non-communicable diseases or NCDs and eventually, you know, contribute to the Sustainable Development Goals number three, which is good health and well-being. So that's about my, my work. I'm also a part of the UN, UNFPA, Youth Advisory Panel, United Nations Populations Fund. So what I do there is I'm the youth advisor for the programs that's being done by the UNFPA and how they also involve us in meeting the officials, the minister, Ministry of Development Planning's, the Ministry of Women Empowerment and Protections. So basically, we are trying to participate in the policy makings, you know, trying to give inputs, how young people perceive policies, especially the policies in the area of the mandate from UNFEA, which is the sexual reproductive health rights, gender equality, and, and also this comprehensive sexuality education in terms of the humanitarian settings and the access to care for it. So those are the, some of the things that I do, aside from my daily job at Lantera Anak Foundation as the project coordinator of Young Health Program. Yeah. And I also do several other things, but I don't know if it's relevant here. But anyhow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> and moving more towards you personally, what is the change that you would like to contribute to in your lifetime? Oh, wow. In my lifetime? Big question. <laughs> this is a very existential question <laughs> i think i have a lot of time to think about things like this when i work at home right now <laughs> with the coronavirus exactly <laughs> but what i want to achieve you know i think it's about uh, leaving a legacy right leaving a mark in this world because we are only living i don't know most of us don't even live beyond a hundred years right and every time we live beyond 100 years, people will celebrate us in the TV and give us certificates. <laughs> but that's not what I want, really. I mean, I don't really care whether I live that long or not. But what I care about is what I do while I'm living, you know, especially in these times of crisis, when you know, you know, you don't even know when you will, you know, oh, die or, or live, you know, keep living. So I want people to remember me when I died, at least I did good i'm doing good things for for the sake of a lot of people that when i die actually my actions and my ideas are being you know replicated all throughout history even after my death so i don't have to get my name to be the street name you know or make a statue out of me you know, or make a library with my name <laughs> and that's not really i don't really care about those material stuff but it's more like the ideas because ideas can survive anything any outbreak any you know any crisis any war anything ideas will keep living on and that's the kind of thing that i want to live it's the idea of doing good things for the people mm -hmm. A lot of people so yeah that's my my biggest goal i think <laughs> yeah to be somehow quote unquote immortal <laughs> so i don't i don't die and you know pay my rent to live in this world and then bye-bye i will just go with the germs and the earth and, and with with the worms that's it but i want to leave something more so maybe that's what i meant <laughs> nice so yeah. also now moving towards a more call to action to kind of wrap 
this discussion up. What can the listeners of this podcast start doing today? Now we have this coronavirus situation. What can we as young people do? But also in general, what should young people start doing in relation to the Sustainable Development Goals and specifically to the Sustainable Development Goal 3? Right. So I think we need to start with reflecting because not a lot of us actually spend time to reflect upon the things that we have in our life. So so reflect upon the things that we have in our life, our surroundings, you know, how do they look? How do they feel? How do I feel? What have I done? You know, the places that I have gone to, you know, it might sound like a Dr. Seuss book, (laughs) but it is like that really. Like a lot of reflecting is very good for you to actually decide your upcoming actions in trying to make the world a better place and contribute in the way of your expertise can because everybody has their own roles in this that I mentioned before, the systemic change that we want to bring upon for a more sustainable, you know, good world that we're trying to live in. So I think we can start with reflecting, but also analyzing what can we do, right? After we are reflecting, we analyze what can we do, what is our role, you know, how much of change that we can bring. And if we want to make a big change, that's great. Even because, you know, don't start small, start big, you know, dream big. So at least if you dream big and you will try to, you know, get more people to make that change with you. And actually that's what we need, right? We need to come closer together, especially in these times of crisis. We need to, to stand together and, and see what actually those ideas that I mentioned before is impossible or debatable is actually possible and is now happening. And what we do is now trying to continue to push this version of reality that we're having right now, right? The government really cares about the well-being of its people (laughs) and, you know, and people are being so aware of their own health. Yeah, you know, this is basically the message of SDGs, right? You know, and how we see it in a multi-sectorial way. Now the, you know, the private sector is now also racing to find the vaccine, you know, everyone has their roles. And this is very beautiful to see that we need this kind of, you know, constant care about our health and our well-being and everything in our society in general, more and more, you know, this is the moment when we put people and planet over profit. And this is the time after for us to make change. So don't get up every morning now, the one who listens to the podcast as well. You wake up in the morning and thinking, there might not be a tomorrow, right? (laughs) I might die, blah, blah, blah. But don't think of it like that. Think of it like, if I die tomorrow, what will I leave then? How will people remember me? And I will try to work as hard as I can because I believe there is a tomorrow for us. So I think that's a kind of mindset. And then go doing your own thing, whether it's advocacy campaign, research, or you know, or even work in your own office, or it's a business, you're running a business, you want to make it, you know, healthy, eco-friendly, etc. Everyone has a role, but just don't negate each other's role in the systemic change. And please draw a clear line, an ethical line, because sometimes we can work with some actors, sometimes we don't, because they repeatedly become the source of the problem. So I think that's my main message here. And maybe one last thing, Catalina, before I conclude is, you know, I just went to the climate strike in Jakarta wearing a Batman costume. 
if you know you see me <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i wore a batman costume and i also went to the international women's days march it's like a women's march in indonesia also wearing a batman costume and then the the news outlets coming to me and and interviewed me <laughs> saying why are you wearing a batman costume this is very hot indonesia is a tropical country you know right we are on the lines of the equator you're basically sweating i know <laughs> you don't need to tell me that <laughs> right but the point is why i wore the batman costume actually is trying to warn people that when people like batman you know people who are actually quite privileged and billionaires are going to the streets etc you don't need to wait for them to come to the streets right because you are your own superheroes you don't need a batman to come and save you because actually as much as i love batman like i really do i really do <laughs> love batman but batman superhero actually came from economic gap in our society that some people getting more rich and richer and others are laying the poverty line having starvation wages you know not even indigenous people cannot even have an access to the lands right and sometimes these billionaires like batman saying we can save you but on the other hand they also make profit by ruining the systemic change that we are trying to make sometimes they make profits from exploiting the environment and then also contributing to the crisis that we're having right now so this is the bigger picture right so don't wait for the shiny knight in shining armor or like a batman and his batmobile who has a lot of carbon footprints hello <laughs> you could have used the bus <laughs> but <laughs> you know this kind of heroes you can find it within yourself especially if you are middle lower class people working class you also have a role so don't belittle yourself and don't like okay i have to be a ceo or president at least as famous as batman to make a change no it starts now it starts right where you are and if you fail to convince your own family your own community don't stop maybe your place is actually in a much bigger picture you can influence maybe other people in other communities you know even bigger actors aside from your family and your friends so don't stop when you have failures and don't belittle your role just because you're not some billionaires or mm-hmm. or famous heroes like batman powerful people presidents you can make a change and i think that's the point of this podcast with your change maker podcast which is very good name very fitting mm-hmm. is everyone is a change maker i think that's my concluding statement <laughs> awesome thank you so much yan for your insights i mean i'm sure the listeners of this podcast and of this episode specifically will have a lot to reflect on <laughs> after listening to this so yeah. thank you for sharing your thoughts it has been really inspiring to hear you talk so passionately and i myself i'm going to conclude this with a lot of new insights about sdg3 specifically and there's a lot to reflect on as i said before thank you you're welcome it's my pleasure thank you for having me <laughs> awesome thank you for listening this was the change makers podcast with markyanta surahman from the youth movement for fctc 
on SDG3, good health and well-being. If you like this episode, share it within your community and connect with me on Instagram at change.makers.stories and on LinkedIn. You can find all these relevant links in this episode's description. If you are curious about the sustainable development goals and initiatives that are working towards the UN's 2030 agenda, subscribe to this show on SoundCloud, Spotify or iTunes and don't miss the upcoming episodes. 